Hello everyone, welcome to Langstaff Assembly Podcast. My name is Yanaili Joyce and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message encourages you and that it draws you near to God. On this Thanksgiving weekend, look to the right, look to the left, lots of blessings that we have just in everyday life. But what's the greatest one? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, the, the, the disciples, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of the writing, of course, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. So what are we most grateful for? Obviously, it's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news, Jesus. For this life, we have him. And we are thankful that he died he was buried, and that he rose again, all three of critical importance, all three we believe in with all of our hearts, we cling to, and that we're thankful that we have the faith to hang on to. And it is not us hanging on to him, as we've just heard from this lovely hymn. I haven't heard that hymn in a long time. He is the one that is holding us fast. What are the things that we are thankful for? We are thankful for God's love this morning. That we are loved by a God who, in his very nature, can do nothing but love. He is love, and he has manifested his love to us in wanting to save us for all of eternity in order to be with him. Sometimes I've heard, 
And I understand the, the point. I understand the thought that how could he love me? How could he love us? How could he love sinners? But I've, I've come to see that from a different angle. How could he not love and how could he not do what he did being a perfectly loving being? Because love must give. Love cannot be selfish. M- love must think of others before itself. Must love look into the well-being of those that cannot care for themselves? And so if God is love, and he is, then what he did is perfectly in tune with his character. In fact, it was to be expected that a God so great and loving would not only share his love by creating uh, human beings to be with him, and to, and to exist with him. But when those human beings turned against him, he would find a way to bring them back. That is to be expected. Now, I don't mean that to say that we take it for granted. No, it's still grace. It's still mercy. But it is exactly what you would expect from a God of love. Maybe not you don't expect that from us because we're not pure 100% love. But God is. God so loved the world that he gave. That's what a loving God does. Gives, not takes. How many of these other false gods in the world, all they do is take. Take, take, take with no promises of giving anything back. Maybe, maybe. Those that worship them, maybe they will have some sort of reward in this life or the next. But it's not guaranteed. None of them. Look into all of them. But God loves and God gives. And the gospel is not what God is asking of us. Not what he is requiring of us to do. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what God did. It's what he did. It is his action. It is not my action. We've already heard really, really well from Brother Clifton that there is nothing you and I can do to merit forgiveness of sins, to wash away. There's no soap. There's no tithe. There's no ivory that can wash away even one of our sins, that can clear our minds of the guilt that we carry, the burden of sin and past mistakes and rebellion and disobedience. There's nothing. There's no cleanser. There's no uh, pump with, with 100% disinfectant that we can use nothing. You and I are in no position to cleanse ourselves from our sins. It took the body, it took the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died, he was buried, he rose again in order to save us from our sins. And it's not my righteousness that is acceptable for salvation. God must and he does provide the righteousness of Christ who did no sin, he knew no sin, in him is no sin. We can be grateful this morning that we worship and that we love our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, Isaiah 53 says. We have turned everyone to his own way. There is no difference 
as Roman chapter 3 has. There's no difference between any of us. There's no pecking order. There's no one who was closer to God. None at all. And yet the gospel is God's rescue mission, God's plan of salvation to the whole world. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him our substitute, the iniquity of us all. So he died, he was buried, he rose again. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All of this is according to scriptures. Perfectly planned, not a reaction. But before we were even created, God had a plan. He knew what was going to happen. And, he, and his plan was to send his son to die for our sins. Notice the need to receive it. Whosoever believes. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I delivered to you what I also received. God has done his part. What is he asking of us? To receive it. And who can receive it? Whosoever. Anybody. Nobody is disenfranchised. I like that word. I just learned that word this week. You said you've never heard the word disenfranchised? No, no, I've heard that word for, for, for my whole life. But I didn't realize that it was taking away your, your right to vote, taking away your citizenship. I just learned that this week. See, I'm still learning the English language. Now, now I, whenever, I, whenever I learn a new word, I like, you know, popping it in there, trying to impress people, you know? So, no, there's nobody that God says, no, 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 you can't be a citizen of heaven. Uh, you don't have the right to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're in the wrong people group. You're, you have done just a little bit too much sin. You, just, you, don't, you don't have enough intellectual ability. You're not special enough. No, no, no. Whosoever, anyone can come. And if you would have read the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians, you would see that the Corinthian believers, the members of the Corinthian church, were not the greatest people in the world before they were saved. Some of them were thieves and drunkards and extortioners and even worse. And yet they were cleansed and redeemed and saved by the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel is for the lawless and immoral. We can go right to the prisons. What? Oh, are those the really bad, lawless, immoral people? No, no, no. You can come right to Vince Giraldi too. I'm just as lawless. I'm just as immoral. The gospel is for us. It says here the Lord appeared to Peter. Peter is a sincere, well-meaning individual, but with a, with a lot of weakness and character flaws. He means well, but he doesn't re even quite realize just how limited his abilities are to please and to obey the Savior. When the pressure comes, he falters. Sounds like me. And yet the gospel is for him, the sincere and stumbling person. Okay? Matthew is one of the disciples who the Lord appeared to. Matthew is a businessman. He's calculating. He, he, he knows his numbers. Um... He, he, he makes sure everything is... Look at the, the gospel that he wrote. Just, just really well done. So gospel, the gospel is for the intelligent and the thinker. 
Gospels for them. Simon the Zealot, one of the disciples, he was politically minded. He wanted to free Israel. He hated the fact that the Romans were oppressing his people. He wanted to end injustice and bring uh, righteousness into the world. And so the gospel is also for the socially conscious and the justice-seeking. The gospel's for you. And Simon finally realized, you know what? Overthrowing the Roman government is not what we really need. We need a savior who is going to change us from the inside, not the outside. Nathaniel is one of the disciples. The Lord Jesus gives him one of the greatest compliments. Other than John the Baptist, I think Nathaniel gets the second greatest compliment in all of Scripture. Nathaniel is told by the Lord himself, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Can you imagine the Lord saying that about you or me? Wouldn't, wouldn't be saying that about me. He said that about Nathaniel. And so Nathaniel is a good, upright citizen, clean living, faithful in his religion, but he still is a sinner. He still needs a savior. And he bows down to the claims of the Messiah. So the, uh, the religious and the respectable need the gospel. Then you have Thomas, one of the disciples, and he's pessimistic and ridden with uncertainty and fear in life. He's always expecting the worst. I, I think he's anxious. I, I, I really think he's got an anxious mind that maybe struggles with mental health. I truly believe that. And so... Here he is, and, and he even had a hard time believing that the Lord Jesus had risen again from the dead. Why? Because it was just too much for him to hope for, and he didn't want his heart already shattered to even break further. That's what it was. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, no, I won't believe. It wasn't a thing of, of, I don't care. It was just, no, this is too hard on me. Don't bring my hopes up high and then bring them back down. That's what he was saying. And the gospel is for the anxious and the weak. That's right. If you're anxious and you're weak, the gospel's for you. And then finally, the Apostle Paul, who, who hated the church, persecuted and even had uh, believers in the early church brought into prison and some were even killed. He was so proud. He was so arrogant. It's like you know, when you read about him in the early chapters, like, no, Lord, don't save him because, you know, we, we don't got the heart of God. But God looks at him and says, no, he's my, choi he's my choice possession. I, I have a plan for him. The gospel is for the proud, the antagonistic, the hateful. So, what type of sinner are we? You know, we've been talking about being sinners. Um, sinners is becoming a, a, a very um, a politically incorrect term to use. Hey, you call someone a sinner nowadays, and you're gonna, you're, you, you might get written up at work. Because, you know, you can't just call someone a sinner. Okay, I won't call anybody else a sinner. But I will call myself a sinner. And you are welcome to call yourself a sinner as well. Because, look, sinners are the ones who receive the grace of God and salvation. Sinners are the ones that Christ Jesus came into the world to save. There it is, right there on the wall. And so what kind of sinner are, are, are we? Were we lawless and immoral sinners? Sincere and stumbling sinners? intellectual and conniving sinners, socially conscious and justice-seeking sinners, religious and respectable sinners, anxious and weak sinners, proud, antagonistic, hateful sinners, all can come to Christ who says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so I don't resist the term sinner 
on my life. You write it right over me, no problem. But you know what, Mike, you said it already. Redeemed sinner. As a matter of fact, now I'm a saint. Really, these are the last few days where I still have the sin nature in me. Pretty soon, I'm going to be perfectly holy, just like him. And that's really nice. Because then I will truly be comfortable and, uh, and at home in the presence of God, all my sin permanently removed. That's what we can be thankful for this morning. That's what we can all rejoice in. My sins were many. They've all been washed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm not trying to do something for God. It's not me trying to uh, work my way up to salvation, to become something. It's not my sweat and my effort and my tears and my prayers. I have given up on myself. I give up. I surrender. And I look to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and I claim his work for my salvation. It's all about him. It's not about me anymore. It's not about even how I believed or what my faith is like. It's really becoming less and less about me as I I age and mature in the faith. And it's just, who cares? Who cares about me? It has nothing to do with me. It's all about what he did, who he is, his great love, the love of the Father, the love of the Son, the Holy Spirit living within us. We have so much to be thankful for. What do we have to do? All you have to do is believe it accept it, receive it. That's all that is required to have salvation and forgiveness of sins. And we talked about this in the Bible reading a few weeks ago. What does believing mean? What does receiving mean? It's still not even really a work that you do. It's, it's not something you even have to understand. Uh, some of us were talking in the Bible reading, you know what, I thought I had to understand it all before I could believe it. No, believing is just trusting in God. Just in your heart, knowing that he's good and that he keeps his promises and that he has provided the way for you to come back to him through Jesus Christ. And you may not understand all that and you may not be able to even live up to it in your life because you're still weak and stumbling. That's fine. His blood covers us. All we have to do is believe it, to receive it, and to accept it. You know, I had a student years ago. I might have told this story before, but it's a great story. Uh, he had a habit of handing in assignments that were completely different to what I had required in the, uh, in the, you know, the, what's it called? Whenever I'd give out the sheet, here's the assignment, okay? And anyway, and he would hand us in all proud. Here you go, sir. He had this deep voice. I, I'm actually imitating it quite well. Here you go, sir. Here you go, sir. He was so proud. He was so proud. A few days later, I'd give it back to him. I, I'd usually give him a, you know, I wouldn't fail him because he tried hard. But he just, sir, why are you snaking me? I worked so hard on this. I said, I'll tell you why you got that mark, I said. I, now, he worked at a pizzeria on Friday nights and on Saturdays. He was a hardworking boy. He's a grown man now. I'm sure he, he's quite successful. I said, if I ordered a pizza from your pizzeria this Friday night, and I wanted it to be pineapple and bacon, and you showed up at my door with an anchovy and onion pizza, would I be happy that you brought me a pizza? 
That's a good one, sir. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yes, I said, that's right. Because this was my order. And you didn't give me what I ordered. Okay, so next time, read the order and give me my order. Because, yes, it's a fine little independent study you did, but this is what I wanted and needed. Okay, sir, okay. That's what the gospel... Listen, the gospel is, is not what... Cain and Abel is the classic story of this. The Lord wanted a specific sacrifice that pointed to what his son would accomplish in, in a future day. And Cain says, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't want to give him what he wants. I, I want to give him what I want. Well, that's not what he wants. God doesn't want anything from us. He just wants a humble heart that comes to him confessing our sin and receiving all of his love and forgiveness and grace. That's all he wants. You say, well, this is a good gospel message. You know, it's a good ministry message too. That's what he still wants from us. We could not earn his love and his grace before we were saved, and we still can't do it now as believers. And so please don't get into that trap, into that thought that, oh, now I've disappointed the Lord because I've done this, and now he's... He's going to, uh, now I can't live my life anymore for him. I'm, I'm shipwrecked. I'm ruined. I'll never recover from this. Well, since when has it been about you and your performance? Do you think my latest slip up has surprised the Lord? He knew all along that sin was covered. That sin was covered before I even knew I was going to do it. And sometimes we surprise ourselves by realizing just how weak we still are. And we actually need to come back to the gospel and say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for me. And that if I believe in him and I do with all my heart, love him, trust him, rely on him, I will not perish. He will accomplish what he has set out to do in my life. I love the, the British poem. I, I would recite it to my kids when they were little before they went to bed that relates the Christian life to a farmer's field that the Lord is working on. O Christ who holds the open gate. O Christ who drives the furrow straight. O Christ the joy. O Christ the laughter of holy white birds flying after. Lo, all my heart's field red and torn, and thou wilt bring the young green corn, the young green corn divinely springing, the young green corn forever singing. And when the field is fresh and fair, thy blessed feet shall glitter there, and we will walk the weeded field and tell the golden harvest yield, the corn that makes the holy bread by which the soul of man is fed, the holy bread, the food unpriced, thy everlasting mercy, Christ. Our life is all about him. And he is accomplishing his work in us. And all we have to do is love him and praise him and worship him and just receive all of his blessings, not just on this Thanksgiving, but on every day that we live until he comes. Until he comes. And we focused on that today already. And when he comes, uh, there's another. I love poems. And when we hear Christ Jesus say, Arise, my love, and come away, our hearts would fain outfly the wind and leave all earthly joys behind. I like that. Leave all earthly joys behind. Never mind the, the, not the joys. Never mind all the stuff that makes us sad and cry, even if we were living the greatest life right now. 
It's nothing compared to being with him for all of eternity, without sin, completely uh, uh, his work, and to enjoy him for all of eternity. We have so many things to be thankful for this morning. And they're all in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That last song that we just heard, our love gets cold. Oh, yeah, for sure. We get distracted. We get busy. Hardship, yes, our love gets cold. His love never gets cold. He's, all, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves us the same. And so enjoy that this weekend. Enjoy that on this Lord's Day. Glory in it. Thank God for it. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. We've been given so much. Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven. Thank you for the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your love for us. Help us to trust more. Even when times are dark and hard and we're in a We're in a a storm of life. Help us to look up and see our Lord Jesus and just rejoice in him and be thankful for your love for us through him and how you are holding us fast and that we are on the rock and that he that comes to the Lord Jesus, he will never cast them out, never let them go. We give thanks for these great and precious promises. We give thanks for all that you've done for us. Grace, 100% pure grace. We give thanks you're still working in our lives. And all things work together for, for the good to all those that love our Lord Jesus Christ. And so help us, Father. Give us faith. Help us to cope. And we look forward to the day when our Lord Jesus shall come. And we shall see him as he is. And we shall be like him. What great, uh, what a great hope. What great comfort. We give thanks and pray now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. What a privilege it was to share God's word with you today. We pray that you were fed, strengthened, and more equipped to run the race with perseverance. To listen to more podcasts like this, make sure to subscribe. For more content from Langstaff and to connect with us, go to langstaffassembly.com. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next time.